0: Morning. Good morning. It's wonderful to see many of you, and uh, ah, it's a privilege to be back at Barney's um, after many years. So, thank you. So, really, really wonderful memories at um, St. Barnabas. Um, a very special place that I remember and pray for. Um, so, I'm looking forward to probably catching up uh, afterwards. So Matt, thank you, and uh, thank you, Helen, for organising that uh, Stephen and I come and share the Ministry of African Enterprise and also for me to, to share from the Bible. So uh, it's been one year in the role of uh, being the leader for African Enterprise Australia and New Zealand. Um, I'm still figuring out how to do the job, uh, but God's God is helping me. Uh, Why don't we pray and we'll we'll look into the scriptures this morning. Father, we we do thank you for your word that's been read, and we pray that um, as I look through these scriptures, uh, Lord, help me not to uh, go off course, help me, Lord, to say what you want me to say, and Father, this morning, help us to enjoy what's in this passage, and probably you want to speak to us, so I pray that that will be the case. May your Spirit move amongst us in your name. I pray, Amen. Amen. Uh, so Jesus has been talking, and he's been engaging a number of people. His antagonists. You see that if you, if you, if you open in chapter fourteen. He's, he's speaking in parables. He's been speaking in parables. He does so, and he leaves people scratching their heads. He, you know, if they ask him a question, he'll just sort of go in the bush, but no. He, he's answering their question. Uh, probably he's, he's going to s- say it in, in, in a way that makes them think. And uh, he's just done a parable, a parable of the great banquet in, in chapter 14. And he's talked about The cost of being a a disciple in in chapter 14. Now, the the very interesting thing when you come to chapter 15, uh, there in verse 1, it says that, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The tax collectors and sinners, and and I wonder why why the label sinners is being used. You know, it looks like the way we understand the word sinners right now is probably different to the way the word sinners was understood then by uh, the the people in, 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 in this context. The tax collectors were hated, were hated among the Jews because, you know, they were taxing the Jews and taking uh, taxes to the Romans and taking a fair bit for, for themselves. So that doesn't make them popular. So they are hated by um, the Jewish leaders, by the religious teachers, the religious elite. They hate them. And the people that are being called sinners are the people that are breaking the Old Testament law. Christian, can I grab some water, please? Yeah, thank you. They're breaking the law, so that's why they, they're being called sinners. They were all gathering around Jesus. So when they come to Jesus, actually Jesus lets them sit amongst uh, amongst other people. So Jesus actually sitting with them, but they can't sit with the religious elite. They're chased away. Actually, the law doesn't allow them to sit there because they, they are dirty, filthy. But Jesus welcomes them. So he's sitting with sinners and hearing. They're hearing the teachings of Jesus and quite compelled by what Jesus has to say. He's sharing the word of God. Verse 2, but the Pharisees, and so there's a comparison there. He's comparing um, the tax collectors and, and he's comparing Jesus and the Pharisees. Thanks, Christian. The comparison is between Jesus, how he treats the tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, how they treat the tax collectors and sinners. So you you can see that there's a distinction there. Jesus welcomes them. The Pharisees and the tax collectors, the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they do not, and they're so grumpy. Horrible faces in verse 2. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them that's what he's doing in verse 2 that's what they're doing and jesus kind of hears he picks he picks up the vibe i'm like oh okay Uh, the way i'm going to answer them i'm going to answer them with a parable so he tells a parable says suppose one of you has 100 sheep and as and loses one of them he's like what would you do doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? So it's a rhetorical question. Probably you and me would say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's a bit silly. I can't, I can't leave the 99 and look out at the silly one. Let's just gone there and doesn't listen. Maybe it's stuck in a thicket or a craven somewhere. Well, it doesn't matter. I've got 99 here. I'm just going to go off track here. So I... When, when, very interesting, uh, because I'm very um, passionate about sharing the gospel, uh, I I got in trouble with a parish council one time for going out and about and sharing the gospel in the town. You know, I'm sharing the gospel. So, parish council was like, well, we don't want you to do that. Why don't you want me to do that? Uh, This is what they said to me. I remember this old gentleman, he said, uh, uh, You gotta help me with this saying because it's quite, it's quite an English idiom. So, he, what, what were the exact words? The exact words were uh, Better is a bird in the hand than two in the bush. Uh, if you understand what I mean? So, uh, and uh, they continue to, to say every parish council, you gotta remember that better is, better is a bird in, in, in the hand. And two in the bush. I'm like, oh my goodness, they don't get it. No, I gotta go for the two. I gotta go for which is exactly what's happening here. That we you know, the, the message is pointing towards going out to seek the lost. You get you gotta go out. So Jesus is asking them, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. There's something radical. And countercultural, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who, who repents than the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So actually, this parable is not about lost sheep. Do you see that? It's it's, it's quite plain reading of Scripture. This parable that Jesus is sharing, is not about the lost sheep or probably the shepherd had someone looking after the 99 and he went for the one. I don't think it was that silly that you'd leave the 99 sheep on their own and go and follow a silly one little lamb. He probably made arrangements. That's just hypothetical. But, you know, leave that, let's put that on the side. And Jesus then tells them, Next parable. Verse 8. Oh, suppose, if you didn't get me, or oh, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. And, and again, there's something here that's that actually doesn't make sense to you and me. If you if you find a little lamb and come back home, you don't have a feast. You don't kill a, a calf, you don't eat veal to celebrate and wine and drink and be, because I've found my little lamb. It's just just really radical. It's, it's just a bit extreme, isn't it? You're just going to go, ah, oh, guys, I found it. No, no worries. No, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good on, good on you, Bob. Ah, oh, that was so stressful. It's all done. But you don't go out and buy, you know, uh, m- muscato and, you know, let's rejoice. You don't do that. Jesus is making a point that, well, it's about the one sinner who gets found. Oh, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one, doesn't she, land, Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. That's a rhetorical question. Again, he leaves it to them to answer the question. Doesn't she do that? She turns the whole house upside down, and when she finds it, don't she? She's so stressed about this one coin, and I'm one person. Who's like that? When I get stressed, I lose my wallet. So you, you, if, not, if right now if I show you my wallet, it's got an a tag in it because I am notorious for losing my wallet. So, you know, just pressure, life pulls you in different directions. I, I lose my wallet, and then it was like one day my wife said, "It's just a wallet, okay." Your Medicare card, you can get a bank card, all that. It's just a wallet. But here, it's more than uh, losing a commodity or something that, that you own. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, something countercultural, something really ridiculous that's happening, that like this lady turns her house upside down, she sweeps and, you know, maybe it's candles or whatever, you know, like f- flashlights. She's just, she's looking everywhere, probably teary, but she's got 10 coins, she loses one. Why is she like, uh, you know, she's a bit dramatic about it. What, what's going on? It's just one coin, you, you lose one dollar and it's not the end of the world. Oh, for her, this one coin is very, very important. It's so, so special to her. She she has to find it. And she continues to look for it. You know, nonstop. She doesn't stop. And she finds it. And she, when she finds it, she runs to her neighbors and tells them, I found my coin. And for you and me, it really doesn't make sense. Hey, if you lose your... Uh, CBA card, no dramas, isn't it? Just go on the app and cancel it. But this lady has has to go to the neighbors and tell them, I found my one silver coin. And not just there, she doesn't stop there, she then makes a big party again and says, oh, rejoice with me. In the same way, she's rejoicing, she says, come and rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, Jesus says, he's now making, he drives drives home the point, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, you you need to see the two similarities between the first chunk of Scripture, right, where Jesus is rebutting uh, these religious elite people, he's, he's telling them, or there is rejoicing in heaven over the presence of angels of God, over one sinner who repents. And nowadays, you don't dare say the word sin. You can't say that. So if someone has sex with someone's wife, uh, you ran away with someone's wife, you actually don't say sin. You're not, you're not allowed to say, shh, you can't say that. What the sin that Jesus is talking about here He's actually talking about our fallen nature, our human disposition that we were born with in Genesis chapter 1. We were born in sin. It's the inclination, the, the, the desire to do the wrong thing. That, that is what he's talking about. That The sinner is not the horrible person who goes and robs the bank. He's not the person who slips around. It's not the you, you know, you can be a nucleus family and you're all nice, but tell you what, If you do not know God, if you do not know the Lord Jesus, you are stuck in your sin. You were born in sin. You are rotten and stinking in your sin. So without God, without God's help, we are stuck. We are born in sin. It's that total depravity. That is, that is what he's talking about. The sinner is the person who doesn't know God because we were born in sin. But God actually brings a solution. Now, if you read the last parable, which I, I do not have time to, it's, it's, it's actually the cascade of these parables that are talking about the same thing. Oh, the owner of this commodity loses something, and when they lose something, they go nuts. They look for it non-stop, and they do not stop. They continue searching, and you can't stop them. And though they continue searching, finally, under God, they find what they're looking for, what they lost find the lost coin, you find the little, little lamb that was lost. Even here, the parable of the lost son, which we call the prodigal son, you, you continue reading the story, the guy goes out and he's wildly partying, you know, he's a Jew and he goes to this gentile country, you know, prostitutes withdrawing money, and he's buying alcohol for everybody. He's enjoying himself, but all of a sudden, there's 0.0000 balance in the bank, then Almost immediately he realizes I've blown it. He's filled with remorse and he's so sorry about what he has done. It came to his mind. And he went, I'm going to go back home to dad, not as a son. Father, I've, you know, it's really powerful. Listen to to, to what what he says um father of verse 21 the last parable the son said to him said his father i've sinned against heaven and against you and i'm no longer worthy to be called your son now there's remorse there's the repentance he, he realizes that actually I've done the wrong thing, but Jesus flips it. He's actually not talking. It, this is a hypothetical story. It, 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 is, it is a parable. It is a, a story in, in, in the historical, geographical context, the cultural context. He's sharing a story that people actually connect with, but actually he's not really talking about it. He's talking about a sinner. So all three parables, all three stories, they're talking about the same thing. They're talking about the lost being lost in their sin. And God himself, Father God, being filled with compassion, which, which is what we see. The father was, fed, was filled with compassion when he saw verse 20. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to him and threw his arms around him and kissed him and loved him, embraced him and said, I love you. Don't sh- sh- sh. No, 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 you, you don't have to say it. It was filled with compassion. It's the the same, same word that Jesus uh, is using even when when he's healing the paralytic. He's using, he's filled with, you know, it actually looks like he was disgusted by the the limbs of this uh, man who'd been paralyzed for many years, but he was filled with compassion. It is the same thing that happens when God looks down on earth and sees us lost in our sins, and we are so, so preoccupied with life, you know, preoccupied with our mortgage on our family and all this and that. But the, the main thing that God wants for us is to be in a living, dynamic relationship where we come to know Him fully through His Son, Jesus Christ, that Jesus, actually Jesus died for us. So He sent Jesus The compassion the love of god is shown by the coming of jesus christ into the world if you read in in the book of hebrews in in hebrews chapter 10 when he was about to come into the world he said uh, a a body sacrifices and offerings you did not desire but a body you prepared for me so that i can do your will so his body was supposed to be taking our sins it's exactly what jesus does when he goes on the cross when he hangs on the cross He's not looking like he's powerless, he's willfully going on the cross to die for sinners that need a saving God. God saves us and shows us compassion, love, forgiveness, long-suffering, mercy, grace. He does that. Why? Because he loves us, he loves you, he loves me, he loves all of us. But we've got to respond to that love. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With your heart, you believe and you are justified. With your mouth, you confess and you are saved. So there's this word homo logeo. You know, it's confessing the same thing, the same thing that you believing in your heart. It's the same thing you must say with your mouth. Jesus Christ is the Lord. But these parables are not just about these items that are lost and they're found. No, it's not lost and found property. No, that's not the main thing that's happening there. The lost and found property is me and you. And we are lost in our sin. Without Jesus, we are lost in our sin. You reckon uh, Simba's too loud? Okay, I'll tone it down a little bit as I wrap up, okay. Um, Dear friends, that same passion for me, it will never die down. It never die down. I've been diagnosed with stage four cancer. I've lived through. Christian, thank you for coming to see me when I was sick. Um, and every Sunday, as skeletal as I was, I sat there and preached the gospel faithfully so people can come to the knowledge of Jesus. A clear-cut gospel. We are born in sin. God loved us through Jesus Christ. If we believe in His Son, if we believe in the one that He sent, we will be saved. don't have to do anything. Dramatic. You don't have to. You have to believe in the person of Jesus, that he's the Lord, he's, he's God, he's the, he's the son of God. God sent him in the body, and he died for us on the cross, and he was buried, and God raised him from the dead with power, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, and he will come as judge and king. He died for our sins. He didn't die for us so that, you know, We'll be all right. Huh? And we need to be clear-cut about what we believe and not be, hmm, you know, I, I, I don't want to offend you, You kind of thing. We need to be clear about what we believe and what we um, stand for. Jesus Christ uh, is the Lord. Friends, that is the message that I continue to preach. That is the same message that our 12 African teams in Africa are preaching. They're preaching Jesus every day. They get up to do what they know best. We're teaching them to preach Jesus, uh, a, a, a continent awash with prosperity gospel, a continent uh, that is growing so fast. You know, by 2050, uh, the, you know, a quarter of the world's population who live in Africa is the youngest population. Uh, now, uh, it's a reverse mission. Uh, people will be coming this way. It's so urgent that we read that continent with the gospel, and it's got a, a vast majority of Christians, again, that, that will be living in, in Africa by 2050. So what role can we play in resourcing, in praying, in engaging with God's work in Africa? We have a role to play. So we we, we are not sending missionaries to Africa. We do not. We have indigenous Africans that are preaching the gospel, they, they know the culture, they know the, the communities, they know the context, they know the challenges, they know how to apply the gospel, they've got the resilience, they've got the grit, they, they are committed to, to life and death preaching the gospel in Africa. Now, would you come and partner with us in sharing the life-giving message of Jesus Christ? Now, I want to show a clip for us um, and uh, Uh, please come talk to us after the service. Uh, Let me just pray and we'll 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 show the clip. Lord, Lord, we thank you uh, this morning for uh, Barneys, God's people in God's time, in God's city. We thank you uh, for the beauty of Jesus who loved us while we were lost in our sins. So I I do pray this morning uh, that you help us to connect with what you're doing, that you are the Lord, you are the King, And you died for us and you were raised from the dead for our sins father we thank you for your precious son the victor the king the lord the judge in your name i pray amen at african enterprise we aim to proclaim the gospel of jesus through word and deed partnering with local african churches through biblical evangelism Citywide wide missions, pastoral training and aid in development. We bring peace, reconciliation and the hope of Jesus to every strata of society. On the continent of Africa, we have offices in 12 countries. Each has a team of local African staff and volunteers fired up for Jesus, whom we seek to resource, support, empower and train to reach Africans for Jesus in their local communities.
1: Africa is the fastest growing continent with over half the world's population growth expected between now and 2050. There is a critical need to reach this growing population with the good news of Jesus, giving people hope and a future. Christians who have a heart to see Africa transform for Jesus support African Enterprise, the largest interdenominational agency coordinating national mission through word and deed by partnering with local African churches. Through African Enterprises' stratified evangelism, which focuses on impacting every strata of society in the cities of Africa, national and political leaders are influenced, as well as reaching the poor and the marginalized. AE coordinates thousands of volunteers and churches to holistically evangelize people in their own language and culture.
0: As African Enterprise, we are really excited about what God is doing as we see the African Church being mobilized into evangelizing
1: this continent with the good news. The ministry of AE, which is about evangelizing the cities of Africa through word and deed in partnership with the church. That's what we exist for. And of course, out of our evangelistic concern and gospel concerns, we have deep concerns for practical care, uh, uh, compassionate action, generous aid, to marginalised people, of which there are many, across this continent. Thanks to your belief in the Great Commission, we are seeing up to 50,000 people a year making commitments to Jesus, and millions hearing the Gospel. We're also giving people new hope through changing life pathways. These include apprenticeship programs, self-help groups, and new skills to change families' lives. And for more than two decades, AE has partnered with Moore College, training pastors in Africa in biblical evangelism and mission through the PTC course. This ongoing partnership continues to bear incredible fruit. African Enterprise has been engaging in this mission for over 50 years, thanks to the founding vision of Michael Cassidy and the work of many leaders, including Festo Kivangeri, Stephen Longo and Stephen Maborgo, and the leadership in Africa continues to thrive with your love and support. We pray that your life will be transformed too as we journey together to win many thousands for Jesus.
0: Every year, hundreds of thousands of people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed. None of this would be possible without your support. So, would you prayfully consider partnering with us at African Enterprise? There are many ways you can do this. Follow us on social media and check our website regularly. Sign up to our newsletter. Join us for a short-term mission. Pray for us. And finally, consider supporting us financially, either through our website or why don't you use the charitable app? It's a really easy way to donate. We're so grateful To those who already give to the work of African Enterprise. Thank you. Together we can see the lives of individuals and entire communities transformed. Your partnership with African Enterprise is vital and allows us to continue our mission evangelizing cities of Africa in word and deed.
2: Thank you Simba. Nice dance moves as well in that little video. Uh, We're going to pray, so if everyone would like to bow their heads perhaps and uh, I'll lead us in prayer. All-powerful and compassionate Father, uh, we come before you this morning with uh, reverence and uh, gratitude for the amazing love that you have lavished upon us in Jesus, that you would condescend from the great heights of your unimaginable glory to the humiliation of a limited and mortal life and to be disgraced on the cross for us. and We rejoice at Jesus's vindication in his glorious resurrection by the power of the Holy Spirit. and We thank you Lord God for calling so many of us to yourself for giving us faith and giving us your Holy Spirit, and life in your Holy Spirit, and we're amazed to think, Lord, that you and hosts of angels in the heavenly realms would rejoice at the salvation of our souls. We don't deserve or warrant this, and it's uh, we worship you, Lord, for your gracious love. For your namesake, Lord, we pray that you would. Be pleased to renew the joy of our salvation. Cleanse and forgive us for our.